Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And I'm Navid Mashinchi. And we've got a packed show for you. It's a rare midweek show that we're doing. Mainly because the Whitecaps aren't in action this weekend. Their next game is not until Tuesday night. So we thought, well, we'll push another podcast out. We were going to do our football cards, but Zach is stuck at work. So he wasn't going to get back in time. So he hasn't got the card. So you're, you're spared that. But means we can drag those out for even longer over the course of the season. Into the playoffs. Into the Whitecaps getting into the MLS Cup. Because we all know that's clearly what is now going to be happening because it's been another exciting match day in Major League Soccer. The wild, wild west continuing to, to live up to its name, tighter than a Nats chuff. And wow, we've spoken the the last two Whitecaps matches. They've head in, headed into those games having to win because all the teams round about them just did so well. And this was another match day where this was the case. The Whitecaps were last up. And to to explain how tight the West is just now, they headed into this match ninth in the West. If they'd won and Portland had lost, they'd have been fourth in the West. That is how crazy the standings are just now. And we'll get to the Whitecaps win over Minnesota in a sec. But before that... I want to do my MLS roundup to kind of set the scene for this one because it all started on Tuesday night. Absolutely shocking result and potentially a horrible one for the Whitecaps in terms of standings and what's still to come. LAFC shocked Seattle Sounders 3-0 in California on Tuesday night. Brian Rodriguez, Latif Blessing had LA 2-0 up at the half. Seattle came out strong in the opening minutes of the second half, but Christian Arango got a deflected shot six minutes in, and that was the end of the scoring. That's his 13th goal of the season and his seventh goal in his last four games, so he is on fire just now. But that meant LAFC leapfrogged the Whitecaps into the playoff places. And then as the matches kicked off on Wednesday, it did not go well 
It started off not bad again. Dallas led a team that the Whitecaps needed them to beat. They were 1-0 up at half-time. Matt Hedges headed home. Poor stuff by the, the, the keeper Ochoa for RSL. He should have really handled that. And you're like, yes, if Dallas can pull this out, great for the Whitecaps. But we've been there before. Release the Crylatch. Yes. Two goals in the last 10 minutes for RSL. Crylatch fired home the equaliser in the 80th minute. Then Rusnak, nice finish. One of the goals of the match day in the 90th minute. Finishing at the far corner. RSL, stunning comeback. We've talked about momentum. We've talked about confidence. This is the kind of comeback that can spark a team into the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, you're right. It was, um, I mean, Krylak, the Krylak goal was Krylak, but like that that winner from Rusnak, it was just, it was a well-placed shot, but it was how he took it first time and I think caught everyone a little bit unawares that it was coming through. And um, yeah, just right in the corner. And uh, it was the 90, it was 90th minute too, right? 90th, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. I mean, Great work from RSL. And, and also RSL has the extra game uh, compared yes. to the other teams in the area, and also their last uh, two home, they have two of those home games and one against San Jose. It was basically done and dusted. Yeah, and, so uh, that, that's massive for Port- them. And Portland as well, who don't yeah. do well on the road. We're going to look at who's got what left in the in the next part. So D- Dallas, I think what we've learned in recent games is we can't trust them to do us a favor. They can't hold on to leads. And there's no wonder that they are already eliminated from playoff contention because they're useless. They were well, in they control beat, of that. They beat the Galaxy. They did beat the Galaxy. They did a favor there. You can't tell. But, but as you always tell me, Steve, everyone's beating the Galaxy these days. That's true. Well, Johnny Russell was. Uh, a nice brace from Johnny Russell gave Sporting Kansas City the 2-0 win over the Galaxy on Wednesday night. I, I can imagine after the game, Johnny was texting his good friend Ryan Gold saying, you're welcome, because he certainly did us a favour. And eight straight games now with goals for, for Johnny Russell. It's a club record. Obviously, I'm biased. My love for Johnny is very well documented. But I, I don't understand how he's not back in the Scotland mix. How old and is he, Michael? 32, 33, I want to say. But, I mean, he was in the, the mix before, but Steve Clark, that's in charge of the Scottish national team, doesn't seem to look too far outside UK-based players. But, I mean, in that form... It's 31. Any, 31. I was close. Um, in that form, you've got to to look at a guy like that to, to come back and get, get back in the mix. Whether Kansas City want him flying back and forward... Because Scotland's got a huge World Cup qualifier coming up away to Moldova that if they win, they're in the, the playoffs. They've been struggling to get goals. You've got a guy here that's getting tons of goals. Call him up. And gold. Him and gold together. Yeah. Exactly. MLS package. Gold should but, be. <laughs> but the thing is, they could have brought gold in from uh, Portugal, which is closer. Well, that, that's so the I thing. Like, if they don't look at gold... Like, with all respect to MLS, the Portuguese league, I feel has got better prestige uh-huh. to people looking on saying the Scottish team and, the, and in the UK. So if Scott's not going to get a sniff when he's in Portugal and one of the best players in that league, it's tough for him to do it when he's playing for the Whitecaps. It's got better prestige than the Scottish league. 
totally agree. Oh yeah, Scottish League's farcical at the best of times. But that was a that was a good result. But maybe with Johnny Russell's attention drawing Clark's mm-hmm. Clark's viewing, maybe then he Ryan Gold is getting seen more. Well, if it's even drawing his viewing, I guess we'll see when the next squad gets mm-hmm. announced. Then we'll we'll cover the Timbers game because it, it kicked off the same time as the Whitecaps one. It was a 2-0 win. Char opened the scoring for them in the 34th. And then goal of the night, one of the goals of the season from Aspria, mm. a bicycle kick, 20 yards out, his back's to goal, takes a touch, knocks it up, overhead kick, back of the net, stunning goal. Outside the box too, right? Yeah, 20 oh, yards out. If he had scored a bicycle kick with his back facing uh, back not to goal, I would have been shocked. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> the only way that goal is not goal of the year is if Abby Wambach scores a header. Or remember this fan voting. So if an Atlanta player somehow or Seattle player poked it in from two yards out, that's obviously going to win. Are Atlanta fans still that engaged? I think they are because if you looked at the top selling jerseys, I think there was seven Atlanta players in the top 25. And Johnny Russell was in there as well. That's probably all the jerseys I've bought over the years. They keep getting stained. I don't understand it. But moving on, let's get to the Whitecaps and Minnesota. The meat and potatoes of the show. It was a a must-win game. And really, kind of for both teams, a draw would have suited Minnesota, I think. They would have been fairly happy, but obviously they would have wanted the three the way that the teams played out the first half, it didn't really look like either team wanted to win. It was very cagey. But before we get into that, let's look at the lineup. We we discussed what we thought the lineup might be, but so there's two changes made by Sartini. Godoy was seemingly fit, but he made way for Jake Nowinski in the back three. And you know what? I didn't mind that, and I was very happy with Jake, and I thought he had a really good game. And Javane Brown also came in to kind of bolster that left side and a kind of left wing back role, I, I like those changes. We thought Brown would come in. I I don't mind Jake in the back three at all. I mean, he to me he's no Eric Godoy, so I would never choose him over Eric Godoy on an ongoing basis. But yeah, I think the I think the biggest thing about that was having Gaspar and Brown at the wing back position enabled the homey to play where he really belongs. I think more so uh, up up top and. I think I think that was I think it was helpful for them. I think it's amazing that Vanni Sartini can manage to play three right backs in a lineup that doesn't have a right back. <laughs> That's impressive. That's coach of the year material for me right there. It's like <laughs> if you if you can squeeze three right backs into a three four one two or two one formation, that's like fantastic. But yeah, the first half, KG affair, kind of expected that in in a number of ways. Not a lot to write home about, but the Whitecaps took the lead on the stroke at halftime, and it's taken him 11 seasons, but Michael Boxall gets his first Whitecaps goal. Well done, the Kiwi. That's a goal that should never have ended up in the back of the net. That was just terrible defending. Great. Let's wind it back, though. Great ball from Russell Tybert. Inch perfect, white, timed his run to perfection. I thought it was offside initially, and I was worried it was going to get called back. But not great run by white, great anticipation, great ball by Tybert. That was all fantastic. Great touch, too. Oh, Chest yeah. Forward, I was all, yeah. 
And then Miller makes the save. And, like, you know it's maybe not going to be your season when that ball just bounces off Boxall. And then it seemed to trickle so slowly, I felt, into the net. I don't know how somebody didn't manage to to close that ball down. Maybe that's just my perception. It just seemed to... It was just Not going be a fast-paced ball. It was just going too fast. That's the that's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. I I uh, they didn't show a great angle of the ball because I I thought it was actually going to be called back for offside on because the, they didn't show a real uh, you know from the side kind of angle of it. But um, I uh, you're right. It was a good good ball from Russell Ford. I messaged Boxel. I I was I was working, so when I got home, I avoided all you guys. I went home and watched the game in its entirety, and. Um, yeah, like I told you, I was I was gutted for Boxall because I appreciate him as a human being. I appreciate him as a football footballer. It's been great to see him grow as a footballer from his time here. And uh, I when I messaged him, I was like, oh, yeah, I was gutted for you. I was like, it was Miller's. That was all Miller's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and he said to me, he said, I appreciate it, but he says, he, uh, he said, but was it was my mistake to not read the ball over the top. And then he said, mm-hmm. life goes on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe not for him in Minnesota, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe not for Adrian Heath in Minnesota, yeah. depending on for a few of those guys, bro. Yeah, but I mean, that Vanny Sartini said at halftime in his TSN interview, We don't deserve to be in the yeah. lead, but we're in the lead now. We have to go out and show that we deserve to, to be in the lead. And he was talking about, he said he was pleased with them defensively but not pleased with their, their offensive movement. And the, you called it a cagey first half. Michael. I thought like the first like 10, 15 minutes, it was like an enthralling game. Like it was a yeah. back and forth. They were like, and, they were going and, for it. They just weren't like, neither side was creating like really clear cut chances, but it had yeah. those for the opening that's, minutes. The opening that's probably fair. Yeah, it felt like th- this game was as important as it was. Yeah, but and then it, the, then, sort of then it settled down and it came into, okay, we haven't got that breakthrough. No surprise from a Whitecats point of view, not getting the early goal. Yeah. But, but then I, it was kind of like, don't want to make a mistake. Yeah, it, I think that's more of what it was. Settle, you, you call it settled down, but I think everybody got scared. And seeing how game wide open the game was, and everybody, they, they probably got a message from the coaches to settle the game down, and they probably just settled it way too much. I mean, and it was so, basically a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, it, it really had that feel about it. One of the things that I did appreciate for the first half, even though Sartini was right and it wasn't on, was it feels like for the first time in a while, um, and maybe I just haven't noticed it as much in other games, and I even actually I had this, the commentary on, I had the sound on, and they, they were even talking about it a little bit. But you could see how they've been working at um, – intentional movement in the attack so when this when the ball goes to this player this player is supposed to move here and this way and you could see it and one time you noticed it i think i forget what the combination was but it came to rusty in the middle and he played this first time ball over the top and no one made the right run or the run that they made in training but you could tell like it looked like an awful pass and you many people probably like rusty what are you doing but you could tell it was something that they had been working on and it was intentional, and it had purpose, and it was progressive, and it was encouraging. But like Vanny said, it wasn't quite clicking the way they wanted it to, and I think they improved at least a little bit on that in the second half. Yeah, the the, the first half, I mean, it, it's what it is. You go in with a lead, you, you take it every single game that you do. I liked the the tweet that the Whitecaps sent out after it, which was, it was... 11 years in the making, Michael Boxall's first goal. I guess you didn't really appreciate that 
that tweet, Zach. I uh, go ahead, Zach. But I, I thought it was weird. Why? Well, I, I mean, I thought it was funny. funny yeah, it, but I don't. I don't think that would happen at, in Europe. Would that happen? No. Oh no, they've been cheeky. There's always cheeky. Yeah, tweets, they, 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 they they they've chosen their social media to be to connect with people who are looking for humor from it. Whereas mm-hmm. yeah, for, for me, I'm looking for. Uh, something more meaningful about my about 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 a football club I follow, right? Like, yeah. but I get why it was popular, and I get why they tried it again later in the game, and then yeah. delete the tweet. Well, well, we'll come to that tweet. It's like sometimes your humor can be hit or miss, as four hundred eighty-three episodes of this show demonstrate. I noticed. I noticed a number of people were were questioning whether or not you were running their Twitter account. For the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone sent me it and said, as soon as I saw this, I thought of you. <laughs> so it's nice, the reputation that, that we've got. But we'll, we'll, we'll come to that very, no, very soon. No, not we. Not we, Michael. You. <laughs> <laughs> so this the second half, Whitecaps looked good, but the Galaxy were still in it. And then they crashed one off the post. Now, I... I said in my match report, I thought it was it was fortunate. It was just a bit of the of the post that saved him. But Angus Walker said, "No, I think Max would have had it covered. I don't think it was that if it had been on target, it would have been a goal." But I I, I put this in the report on purpose, and someone picked it up. It's like the fine margins of the game. Oh. I don't want to say fine lines, because like Robbo was panned so much for that, probably because he used it a bit too much. But he's he's accurate right. with it it's like football all it sports it's a game of fine lines it's a game of small margins and it's like ellie hit the post the white caps immediately go up the pitch and get the set not ellie minnesota, minnesota hit the post um the white caps immediately go up the pitch and it's 2-0 and game over and it's like that is just the intricacies of football and that's why we love the sport so much but Let's get to that goal. There was a lot to to like about this goal as well. Dahomey driving the ball forward, plays the ball to Ryan Gold. Gold and White had linked up superbly all night. We spoke about it in the last show, just how good they've linked up in general. They've got this understanding. Gold seems to know where White's going to be or where he would expect a decent forward to be. Cuts it back. White is there. Boom. It's 2-0. Lovely goal. Quality. Quality goal. That's all you can yeah. say. Really Pro- nice goal. Pro- proper place, proper time. Yeah. He, could, yeah. Again, he should get that tattooed. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if it was one of their um one of their you know progressions that they work on in training or not, but it was very yeah, very nice passing, very good movement. Uh, I mean, uh was it Dotson maybe? I think Dotson was like the worst player on the pitch for me for Minnesota. I think he might have been the guy covering, covering, um, or who should have picked up White, who because White's run was coming from sort of a little bit more on the on the far side, and yeah, he, he was he was too open, but it was a good finish. And I, it was a great goal. Everyone's emotions were just so high. It's like, oh, we've done this. We've got the three points, which I know is risky when you've got twenty seven minutes and change to to go. But the way the game was going, it felt like it. It felt what, like it. What? What? Why? Uh, you guys can tell me this, but and maybe or should I ask you to ask uh, Stuart Kerr this? But I, I know he had a, a not a great start to the year or whatever. But why is Sinclair not playing? 
Because to me, Miller, I never, I've never rated Miller, even I when, think, he, even when he had you know some good runs with other teams. Yeah, I never rated him. I think it's just because of Sinclair's lapses, and then they went on this run. They started getting the wins, so you go with the keeper that's got you the wins. Yeah, but the thing is, is they have had times when they they didn't have the wins. They they've gone on. They've exactly. never been that consistent. That's why they're at the bottom of the thing. So exactly, should have. There's plenty of opportunities to go back to Sinclair. To me, Maybe they've been in the playoff play. spots for so long now, though. Yeah, but he was. was Saint Clair was the one that got him the game last year. So there was like Miller's not been perfect this year at all. No, it, it, to me, both the goals, like that first goal, he needs to do yeah. better with 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 uh, what happened on that play, not bank it off his defender into the goal. And and he was a little bit slow, and you could see it on his face when they show when they. You know, we're showing the replays or, you know, the goal goes in and they spotlight on his face and whatever you could see. He knew he should have gotten down quicker. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was, you know, uh, a howl, it wasn't a howler or anything, but he, when someone like Sinclair is sitting on the bench, you got to ask that you got to ask that question, I think. And uh, I mean, when the goal went in, though, everyone got really excited. Yep. Um, especially the Whitecaps Twitter. <laughs> who who put a tweet out which was quickly deleted? I hadn't actually seen it until everyone started sending it to me and tagging me in on it. For anyone that didn't see it, it, says left foot, right foot, head. He just finishes everything. Brian White could finish while thinking of the Queen. I think that's a very funny tweet, but I guess it didn't go down very well with some so, people. So not a tweet that a European side would make and that an MLS side would delete. <laughs> So I'm sure that was a, a interesting conversation the White Cats probably had with their social media person today, but I found it funny. And as Zach mentioned earlier, lots of people seem to think, oh, Michael's in charge of the White Cats Twitter this evening. And folks sending it to me and thinking that first person that they thought of. I, I, I appreciate that. So White Cats pretty much comfortably saw out the game. It got a stoppage time, though, and Fernando Adi made it interesting. It was kind of squeaky bum time with that 91st-minute goal. His first goal of the year. What, happened, mean, to, what happened to him being the leading goal scorer? Was that, was that you that tipped him for that again? When did he even join Minnesota? Here. I didn't even know he was playing for Minnesota. I, I don't think Minnesota have really realised that he's been playing for Minnesota so far this, this season. He's gotten lost in their oasis. <laughs> he he's a guy. I'd take him here. I think with the right service and, oh. and and our team with like gold and he's a guy that you could probably pick up quite cheap because of the season that he's had. You you don't become a bad player overnight. And what he did down in Portland, it's like. But didn't he have some off the field issues? That's what I'm I'm trying to think. I think there's something. I think there was, and I can't remember what it was off the I, top. I can't of remember my head. how dodgy it was. Yeah. I would admit I was a little bit nervy because there was two minutes to go. And I thought, we've seen Whitecaps collapses, but this isn't your your granddad's Whitecaps or your dad's Whitecaps or even our Whitecaps from a couple of weeks ago or months ago. They held on and massive win. I, I don't think you can overstate the importance of this win because the way that other results have gone, if they hadn't won this, I was ready to say that was it, their season was over. I would agree with that. Uh, this was essentially a must-win because of the results of the prior, uh, the previous games. If not for the LAFC game, this game, if this win would have probably put them in a really good position. The LAFC uh, result against Seattle definitely adjusts that a little bit, but 
they're in fifth place right now. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to see like where they end up uh, after this next set of games because everything you know is like day by day. Like there's a game on Sunday, Monday, and then they play on Tuesday next. Yeah, week. the the games the schedules crap because it like they make so much about decision day and everything on the last day. Well, you're kind of setting things up in the week before, really. I know some of it's because they share NFL stadiums, some of the teams, and there's other issues and other things going on, but it's not ideal to be having games on a Saturday, a Sunday, a Monday, and a Tuesday. Yeah. And a Wednesday, actually, there's games as well. But but we'll get to the lie of the land and stuff in the next part. Just want to talk about three players that really stood out for me in this one. Florian Jungwert, again, absolutely tremendous at the back. For me, get him signed up for next year. I know he's on a big ticket. I don't care. You get what you pay for. I, I want him here next year. He is a leader on and off the pitch, but his performances of late have just been tremendous. I saw Axel Schuster answering to Glass City about something. Oh, he's here next. Yeah, year. did you see that? I no. saw that. Yeah, he yeah. said he said he signed him out. He's he's bringing him back next year. He said he's yeah. renewed for one year or something. Awesome, fantastic! Right. Wow, but I thought that would have been a bigger fanfare then than yeah, just replying to Glass City. <laughs> But oh, excellent! That mm-hmm. I'm delighted by that. He did it while having some Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he might have. He might have even had an option available, and they picked up the option. That's yeah, why. They, they it's, that's have. why it's not a huge deal. And I know he's on a big ticket, and we've got some big ticket centre backs. But y- you can't put a price on a good defence. Defences win championships. It's the old cliche, and it's like if you can keep the ball out of your net, it makes it so much easier because one 0 wins gets you three points. If you're shipping two goals a game, it just makes it so difficult for you. Ryan Gold, he was the who scored man of the match, 7.9. Team high, 64 touches, with Javane Brown, actually. Uh, Four key passes, but just overall, his play and his defensive play, everything about Gold. He's been a little bit quiet, but I think he was showing his value to the, the Whitecaps last night. Gold, yeah, as usual, not uh, obviously made the key pass to White uh, for the winner, but um, just steady performance and just control the game in the attacking. Um, Obviously, it wasn't that great in the first half, but second half, I thought they picked it up quite a bit. Go ahead, ahead, Naveed. No, I mean, I have to agree with you, Michael. Leonworth looks steady and uh, really impressive. I'm still kind of, I still can't. I mean, Brian White is still astonishing to me, to be honest. I don't, I can't. Oh, yeah, 12 goals in 25 yeah. games. Eight goals in his last nine games. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Should he be getting a US call-up? No. He's no, pep- <laughs> he's no peppy. <laughs> like, That's a good point. That's a good, it, great In question. all seriousness, all if serious. he played for a team that wasn't the Whitecaps, he probably would. No, but that doesn't make sense. The Whitecaps play in MLS, and they always call up MLS players. So I, I don't give like, any attention to here. Although extra time thing, today did dedicate the show. What has sparked the Whitecaps turnaround? I haven't listened to that yet, but it's like holy shit! Don't, extra don't, times actually covering the Whitecaps. Don't listen to anything extra time. I was but Zardes, <laughs> like you got Zardes, who I think is on the national team sometimes, and he hasn't done as much as what White has done. 
So if but, he can get called up, yeah, he would be true. able to get called up. But the thing is, though, I don't think that White is the kind of player that Burhalter is really looking for. And if he is, I think, I think like, I don't know, I'm going to mispronounce his name, Pifok, uh, the guy who plays for Young Boys in Switzerland. I think there may be a little bit similar, and I think that he's never going to choose White over him. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to have Zar- you're going to have Zardis, you're going to have Pepe. Um, I, I don't, I, I. Uh, Unless, unless he he like leads the Whitecaps to like an MLS Cup final or something, I don't see him. I don't see him getting into the, the US squad anytime soon. That's um, the thing that annoys me though with international football, and it's the same with the Scottish team over the years as well. It's like the loyalty that's shown to players that are maybe not in form. Yes, it's like but, you, you call in your form guys, and yeah, they might not do it at international level, uh, but at least you get them involved in the mix. But no, yes, but it's it's not it's not just that, Michael. It's not just form. It's also how you want to play and the types of players they have, the different qualities they have. And right now, I think they would say. And again, I might be my my uh, evaluation of their qualities might be off. But again, I think someone like a Pfock is probably going to get chosen ahead of a Brian White for uh, I don't know his extra extra pace yeah. um, and and for playing at a higher level. Uh, sorry, debatably playing at a yeah. higher level. But that, so, that said as well, I don't want White away. I'd like to keep him here and keep him fresh for our big playoff yeah. run to the and, MLS Cup. And I don't know what PFOC's overall form is right now, but he has scored a goal that, you know, you know, beat Steve's United in uh, the Europa League or the Champions League. I forget which one United's in this year, but um, I guess it was the Champions League. They better actually. make the most of it. They're not going to be in any, anything next year. Yeah. But no, the, the one thing I wanted to say about your, the players you mentioned there, Michael, this was a really interesting game for me to see the kind of the difference between how Vanny and the Whitecaps have been using gold versus how uh, Minnesota uses uh, Reynoso. Because both of them are like the, 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 the primary point of attack or the ideal primary point of attack. And the one thing that was different from Vancouver, which not every game is exactly like this, but yesterday – you, you think with someone like Gold on your team, you want to get him the ball as much as possible. And, and they do, right? They do, but they vary it more. And it, yeah. not every play has to go through him, where it was quite clear. Oh, that, everything went through Renoso. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it, was, it was like you could defend Minnesota a little bit easier for two reasons. One, you knew they're always going to try and get the ball to Reynoso. And then it appeared to me, if that wasn't on, then they went to their flanks. And their fullbacks, I think that the Gaspar not playing, Chase Gaspar not playing was huge for Vancouver because yeah. Dotson was not good on the left, in my opinion, both going forward and at the back. Um, so, but the other, so they were, you knew they were always looking for him first, so you could key on that. And then two was the thing we talked about last week is – They've run. They've run their starting eleven into the ground with with uh, with the, with Adrian's approach of yeah. best eleven plays, and you could tell. I mean, it, maybe part of it was playing on that wonderful surface at BC Place, but I think part of it was for sure the fact that they, these guys were tired, and, and, and it might not have always shown, but like you have to imagine that played a role. But I think that's the difference between like Heath, MDS, and then you've got Vanny Sartini. Vanny told us. Yep, I I think modern day football you can't just have a, an eleven that you run into the ground. Heath's the old fashioned way of thinking of like it's the business end of the season. These are the eleven guys I want to go with. Obviously, minus Chase Gaspar, it's going to take its toll. MLS is 
not like most leagues in the world because of all the the little intricacies, the travel, the different climates, the different surfaces. Yeah, it's you'll get caught out, and I think Minnesota did. And they, the thing is, it was weird because when they brought on players, you're like, oh, they have some quality on the they have some quality on the bench. Yeah. They have a, an Addy who is not in form, but is I, arguably quality. They have Ethan Finley, who I think is a quality MLS player. Um, they had the uh, the guy came and he played a little bit in the middle and a little bit wide. Rosales, I don't know much about him, but he looked like he had a spark. Uh, and then there was one other player, I can't remember who the other one was, but it looked like they had some options that they could have maybe flipped the script a bit. But uh, if if they if they don't qualify for the playoffs, I think this will be one of the reasons why Adrian Heath, you know, isn't brought back or let go or not renewed or whatever. Uh-huh. To me, though, I have to tell you, my MVP has to be Vanny Sartini. He is, I think, Whitecaps fan favorite by now. Oh. I mean, I'm sure you guys saw the social media videos after the yeah. games. I loved it. I was, yeah. He, he's he's fantastic. He's Quality. It's impossible Quality. not to love the guy. He's yeah. just so much fun. He's great to chat to as well, which, yeah, I, I mean, it's superb. He's, 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 he's nominated for coach of the year right now in a, for MLS. What? Along with the other 26 yeah, coaches. Everyone, everyone got a nomination, basically. But uh, okay. I heard I heard some, I don't know if it was one of you or someone else, make the comment that uh, the fact that he was a, a, a part of the um, the BC uh, League, the League One BC announcement made it uh, feel like this either, you know, he's going to be involved. Uh, again next year, whether that's as the head coach of the first team or... Well, he, he's the director of methodology, so he would exactly. be in charge of the 23s stroke the 19. So right. just now that is officially his his job. So yeah. So we'll do you think that happens. him being involved in that announcement is pointing one way or the other as what he'll do next year? Possibly. No. I, I, don't, I, don't, really? I don't think it points right now. But I, I, I do think that at this point that uh, because he's getting like, uh, uh, you know... Uh, pieces on tsn about uh-huh. him and stuff like that i think he's is being like going to be named the next coach at this heard, point because yeah. it gives it gives the whitecaps a, a free pass to get another coach in there um in order to take the fall for in a year or two i heard it's normally too i heard that his cat has a late night show coming on ctv after the daily show frida's wonderful i love her so where does that whitecaps win leave everything in the standings what do the next two weeks have to come in store for everyone? Let's find out after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
begging for more. Cause I came here at a quarter to six. And I ain't gonna leave till I get my fix. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's nearly the last song because I'm actually going to feature them in wavelength this episode. But it's our Artist of the Month for October from Australia, Queensland to be precise. It's three-piece band The Chats. That's a song from their 2020 debut album High Risk Behaviour. That was Pub Feed. All I want, all I need, all I want is a good pub feed. Lyrics I'm sure Zach can really relate to. We've all been eating with Zach. Oh, I'm getting the stink eye from him. As he sits eating. Says it all. So, that big win for the Whitecaps at, at I was going to say at the weekend, on Wednesday night. I don't even know what day of the week this is. Let's have a look at the, the MLS standings just now and, and where that kind of left everything. So at the top, Kansas City lead the way, 58 points from 31 games played. Seattle now, 58 from 32. So Kansas City have a game in hand. That could be bad news for the Whitecaps. We'll, we'll come to that. Colorado's third now, 55 points. So they're still in with a, a chance of first. Portland solidifying for now fourth place, 49 points from their 32. Vancouver now up to fifth, 47 from 32. LA Galaxy, 46 from 32. Salt Lake, 45 from 31. Then outside the playoff line, but only just, Minnesota in eighth, 45 from 32. LAFC, 44 from 32. Everyone else has been eliminated. So we're still looking that the four playoff places are up for grabs and there's six teams battling it for these spots. It's going to go down to the wire. So let's just kind of have a look at what everyone has got left to play. So Portland in fourth. They're on 49 just now. I'll, I'll give you who they're playing and then I'll give you my prediction of points. We did this a couple of weeks ago, but we'll do it again now that there's only two games to go. So they're on 49, they're away to RSL next Wednesday, then they're at home to Austin on the Sunday. I, I can see them getting three or four points from those games. I, I see them beating Austin. It's whether they take anything from RSL. I'm going to err on the optimistic and say they get a draw and give them four points, which would move them to 53. What about you guys, Steve? Um, I see them getting uh, probably three points. Oh, Steve, Steve can, just to clarify, do you see them losing to RSL then, obviously? Yeah, I think I think they, they don't play well in Portland, I mean, in, in Salt Lake. Yeah. Uh, they have they're they're, they're to, excellent so. at home. They've won 10 home games this year, the biggest in MLS, alongside the Whitecaps, interestingly enough. They, I, they have I saw memories. those 10 home wins weren't even in Vancouver. Portland has fond memories of RSL away, the first ever, the first ever season, 2011. They did a... Flare display at Arsenal away that was um, quite unique in, ML in MLS. Yeah, I was, I was going to give them four as well. 
Uh, but Steve might be right. It might end up being three. Yeah, I, I have a horrible feeling it's going to be three. What about you, Navid? Who's RSL playing? Do you know? The, yeah, well, the RSL, they're at home to San Jose on Saturday. Then they're at home to Portland next Wednesday. And then they're away to SKC. Okay. I say four points, actually. I think they go all out, beat San Jose, drop a point against two points against Portland, I think. Ah, okay. Interesting. So the white caps are on 47. We're away to LAFC on Tuesday. It was originally Monday. Then it got pushed back to Tuesday. Then we're at home to Seattle next Sunday. So also it's a short turnaround. Now, again, I want to be optimistic. I can see us getting nothing from these two games just Boy. because of the the rich vein of form that LAFC have, have suddenly hit. And we'll, we'll do a little preview about that shortly. But that means we would be out of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I know. That is the, that's, this is how tight it is. I'd like to think we can sneak a draw somewhere in there and get a point. But I think that's my my heart overruling my head. I do fear we might not get another point from these two games. Am I being too pessimistic? What do you think the chances are? Like, which which game has higher chances for us to get a point? Is LAFC <sighs> way harder than us I don't getting know. points at home against Seattle? Actually, let's preview a little bit of that now then. Because like LAFC, they've taken 10 points from the last four games. They've hit form at the right time. Arango's leading the charge for them. At home, they've got eight wins, five draws, three defeats. The Whitecaps are two wins, nine draws and five losses on the road. LAFC's unbeaten in five with three wins and two draws. We've only got one loss in nine. So both teams are in form. I thought we were horrendous down there, but we've actually played there four times and we've come away with two two-all draws. Yeah, we got thumped 6-1 and 6-0. I think we they're the outliers mm. in this. So we have gone down there, and the last time we went down there, we did come away with a two-all draw. It's not out with the realm of possibility that we can get a draw down there. I think a draw would be great. Great, great point. I think a draw would be massive, but... Could be a difference, yeah. I don't want to sound pessimistic because I've actually... You forgot to mention that I, I called the 2-1 win against Minnesota, Michael, which I'm a little disappointed about, but... Well, I went 3-1. But, um, so, yeah, a lot of my predictions have been, like, quite optimistic and positive for the Whitecaps. But I agree with you. Like, I could see them getting zero or one tops out of, out of these games. I mean... I'm basing it on what Seattle did to us with a weak inside down there as well. And yeah. they could really be fighting for playoff position and still. Positioning and, oh. yeah. Maybe even the first seed still, depending on how other games go. So then the LAFC game would be easier. Than yeah, I, I think LAFC is the best chance of us getting a point. Basically, if we get a win in LAFC, that's it. Oh, we're we're yeah. in the playoffs. It, it's... Not mathematically sure, but I think it... Well, actually, it might be, depending on how the other results have gone. We never won point. down there, though, right? Uh, no. no. Two draws, two defeats. Hmm. I, I think, actually, I think they actually have a very good chance to win in LAFC. Because LAFC is... Um, to me, they're still shaky at the back, even though they've kind of cut that out a little bit, but they're still shaky at the back. And I think Sartini will get the team up uh, to play in this game, knowing and, and kind of... Uh, Position it as a winner, winner, winning in, and and just give them the that little boost. And I think, I th I think they will 
LAFC will probably take Whitecaps for granted, and the Whitecaps could have a chance to win that game. I mean, even as good as Seattle is, it's the last game of the season. Everything is on the line. It's a one game. You never know. These guys starting to get some so fired up. Oh, yeah. Like, if they have to go into that game exactly. needing three points or even one point, they're... I'd rather they... Like, if they go in needing one point, that's not as good as going in needing three, as weird as that is to say. Because if you try and play to get a point against Seattle, it can soon yeah. go tits up. But I agree. I think Sartini will have the players up for both these games. But there's being up for the games, and there's a considerable gap in quality, especially yeah. to Seattle. LEFC, you know, depending on who's who's available for them, maybe not as much as it used to be. Um, well, yeah, that, that's the thing. The you, game you on see, Tuesday night, Raheem Edwards, outstanding for them. Latif yeah. Blessing, outstanding for them. When you think of LAFC, that's not the two players that immediately spring to mind. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're getting the best from all their guys as well. What are you going to say, Steve? I was going to say that they're, they're right now in a, uh, in a good form, but they, they've had a good form and they've dropped it all of a sudden out of nowhere too. They're like, they, like just because they're in good form right now, uh, a week down the road, uh, they, they've had a good form like since uh, since a loss at, at Portland. Portland beat them at home yeah. on September 29th, but that could change. And their 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 results. While they, they again, I remember the San Jose game. They didn't. They won the game, but they weren't very special in that game. I, I wonder. There was there was a couple other games too. They barely eked out a win. So I I don't see them as being in that great form. I wonder too how much of how much of a hindrance or how much of a a boost or a motivation it'll be the fact that um they haven't performed in the playoffs ever in mls and these last two games for them really are like essentially like playoff games, playoff games to get into the playoffs yeah so i mean yeah. look, looking at who they've got they've they've got the caps obviously on tuesday and then they're away to colorado who mm-hmm. could be playing for first second or third position yeah at that game this is massive for them. Yeah. And they're they're playing catch-up as well, which is never the easy thing to do. Michael, you've talked a lot this year that you think if they don't make the playoffs or they perform poorly or they make the playoffs and don't do well again, that this could be the end of Bob Bradley with the with the GOATs. Um, do you, like, I wonder how much that w- will also weigh on the players, that that potential kind of thinking, if they're allowing... He, he might be gone no matter what. <sighs> But that's the thing, though. I wonder if they're if they if you know how you know how sometimes I I don't know. It depends how much they're really into Bradley. Yeah, because if it's a coach you like and you know that maybe his job's on the line with how you perform, that might raise your game a little bit, or it also might have you more motivated. Or I I might not be here if Bradley's not here because a new coach might not want me. Exactly. So I I wonder if that's going to lift them in one or both of these games. It's such a hard one because it's all the psychology of it because they are playing catch-up. So a draw, great for the Whitecaps, it leaves LAFC hanging by a ball here. Yeah, and but, LAFC, they're undefeated against LAFC this year, with the yeah. Whitecaps. A win and a draw. So they haven't lost to them yet. Yeah. So all the talk about the, you know a, a golf in the class of, uh, you know, on the roster and everything hasn't really turned results for well, LAFC. Well, is not great just now because they've lost some of the, their, their key guys and the guys that's even been chipping in assists aren't playing at the moment or have, have left. The danger for the Whitecaps is if LAFC win this and then both teams lose their, their last match, they're tied in 47 
but LAFC have the wins tiebreaker of having the extra win, which would come from beating Vancouver. So that plays into things as well. Plus, like you said, they're, for for the goats, they're going into Colorado, who only has one home loss all year. Yeah, in their last game, in addition to battling for whatever it is, second, first, whatever. So, yeah, it, yeah, I I don't fancy them getting anything from that. So, like, even if they beat the Whitecaps, they're tied in forty seven. So, the Whitecaps would just need a point against Seattle. And that's to why move I think back both, above them. I think, but that's why Michael. I also think both these coaches are saying, both Vanny and Bradley are saying. We have to win this penultimate match. We have to get three points in this match because it's the it's the three that are seem more on offer uh, than uh, you know based on form and standing and all that kind of stuff. Then what's going to be happening in, in, in the final match day? On decision. I mean, I, I'm looking. I'm looking at eighth place Minnesota. So they're in forty five. They're home at Kansas City, and then they're away to somebody else. Not who I've written down here. They, yeah. they play the Galaxy. So yeah. essentially, for me. Perfect result for the Whitecaps is the uh, Galaxy and Minnesota lose, and then they the two teams draw, and then that that basically uh, they get a point uh, uh, each in their last two games. That's where I see it. Well, yeah, because the Galaxy is away to Seattle now. Yeah. Seattle's form is weird at the moment, but if if they don't take anything from that, it sets up a huge showdown there, and a draw would be fantastic. Yeah, I I think one point for the Whitecaps from these last two games, and they're in. I I think they can pick up a win in either one of the games. I think they I think they can. I think Seattle might. If you think of it, Seattle might be out of it. They might not even be in the running for the top spot. The way no, they're going, but they still you have to think of other playoff positioning. Yeah, well. second, third. I understand that, but they might. They, it might be like a, a all separated by the time the last game, where it might not matter. But then the other thing is like finishing second or third is huge because of what it means for the first two rounds potentially of the postseason. And the and the final. Yeah. To yeah. be honest, if we lose against LAFC, I look at a Seattle game as a home playoff game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. we win. yeah. Right. That's it a good way of looking at it. Because <laughs> I think RSL's in because they're at home to San Jose, they're home at Portland, they're away to Kansas City. They're going to take at least four points from those, I think, just with the form yeah. that they're in. That's the so, prediction. But yeah. they, 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 them as well. They have not. They've had a weird form. They've been weirder than Seattle, where you they lose games you expect them to win and stuff like that. So you never know about them. Yeah, it's it's just so down to the wire. It's really exciting, and oh. it's like this is what you want. Uh-huh. And like the the East as well. I had a quick look at that today because I haven't been paying much attention. That's going to pretty much go down to the wire as well. But I, I still think if the Whitecaps get one point from these two games, that's going to be enough and they're going to be in. It's then where they finish in the pecking order, which right now you don't care. You just want them to be in it. But at the same time, I, I, I fancy them for any first-round matchup I, apart from, say, against Seattle. So you don't want that first-round thing. Whitecaps are seventh, Seattle are second, and it's like Seattle's hosting... Vancouver, but hey, play of football, anything can happen. Just quickly to round this part off, looking ahead to the LAFC game, we t- touched on it there. It's obviously a lot of rest now. They've got basically seven days before the, the game. So you're you're talking about putting out a full strength lineup. I guess the only real decisions to make are do you 
do you bring Godoy back into the back three? And do you bring Bikel into the midfield or has Tybert done enough to keep his place? And I think his performance against Minnesota, he probably has done enough to keep his, his place. I think Godoy might be the only change we see from the, the team we saw against Minnesota. I think Godoy and, and Jenny Bikel in for Rusty and Jake. I think Rusty. I think Rusty's good enough. I, if mm. they want to, they, I think Bikel's a good player to have off the bench. I do think that possibly if they want to be a little defensive, Gaspar could be the guy that uh, doesn't start, and you put in Gutierrez. Yeah, I was. That's exactly. Yeah. It. I think Gutierrez is the other one I might put in. You think so? like Gutierrez? How? What's the situation? Is he like? He's good fully? to go, but he came on as a sub late in the game, right? Yeah, they're just. They're just, just being cautious with him. Um, but, I mean, he is good to go, but I, yeah. I just feel Vanny thinks there's better options ahead of him right now. Yeah. And to be fair, he had he started strong, but then he had a few up-and-down games. I, I, liked, I liked Brown uh, at the left-hand side. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal go, going up that. He's such a good player. I think he's been the big surprise player, really, this year just because of his versatility. And it's something I've always said, and I said it about Russell Tybert in the past. If you're a versatile player in this league, you've got a good future in this league because budgets, caps, everything like that, you'll get games. So let's get some quick predictions and then we'll wrap this chat up. Whitecaps LAFC, I am going to go with an optimistic 1-0 draw. Steve? I'll go 2-1 Whitecaps. Zach? Six two no, uh, I will go. <laughs> I will go something crazy like three two to the goats. Oh, David, four two LAFC. Ooh. Let's see how this plays out. It's very exciting. I'm already looking forward to it. a Tuesday night though. Is a kind of crappy time for it. The plus thing from the Whitecaps is there's going to be a few games from the other sides under the belt. Things haven't been going great and other results for the Whitecaps and the out-of-town scoreboard. Maybe this is going to be the weekend that everything goes well for them, and then they're going to go into this full of confidence. I think they'll be doing that anyway. I'm just going to split things up just now and bring you this week's wavelength. And it's another song by The Chats. It's from their 2020 debut album, High Risk Behaviour, and it's a song with a loose football connection. But I thought, ah, what the hell, we'll stick it in Wavelength, get another song by our Artist of the Month. It's called 4573, which is the area of Queensland that they are from. And it's a song about getting drunk, staggering around the town, seeing a football match taking place, and shouting abuse at the players from the sidelines. We've all done it, I'm sure. This is The Chats, 4573.
the chats there, 4573, wrapping up their stint as Artists of the Month. That was also this week's Wavelength. We've got a very exciting Artists of the Month coming up for November, and I'm picking them in honour of Brian White. That's all I'll say. See if any internet sleuths can work out who they might be. But we've talked Whitecaps, we've talked MLS, and that's all the positive news that's been coming out of the the Whitecaps in recent weeks. And I think the feel-good factor has certainly been back amongst the team, back amongst the fan base, a lot of positive stories coming out. Hanging around in the background, though, has been the, the women's abuse scandal. Going back to 2008... With the women's team then. Kyra McCormick's blog had mentioned the abuse and it was well documented in media in the last year or so. Bob Berada, the, the head coach at the time that was named in the allegations, his court case has now been postponed for the ninth time. It's got a, a date now towards the end of November as they, they're still sorting through everything, which... I'm led to believe, just from those that know these things much better, is not unusual because it, it seems common, especially if new information is coming out, etc., etc. It's not great for the women involved that just want to, to get their day in court and get their stories out there. Kyra? Isn't it also, I read, Michael, that partly because some of our laws have changed since when the uh, alleged events took place? Oh, I'm not sure about that. I read that in one article that said that that's one of the reasons or potential reasons why a case like this would be uh, delayed based on, you know, the prosecution and the defense agreeing on. It's an area I don't know much at all really about Canadian law, which is why we haven't covered this as much as maybe I would have liked, maybe we should have in the show, just because my knowledge of it hasn't been great. And I kept, like when we, we talked about, well, well, we talk about this in the show or whatever, and I kept saying, let's wait till the court case is done so we see the outcome of it. But of course, this has dragged on and on uh. and on. And when Kyra did her initial blog and then it came to the attention, in amongst it was mention of another incident at the Whitecaps in 2011. And it, you didn't have to be good internet sleuths to know that this was about the head coach at the time, Hubert Busby. And we'd looked at that, we'd seen it was him and that he was still involved in the women's game. Right now, he's the head coach of the Jamaican women's national team. So that was an aspect of the story that hadn't really had a lot of coverage and no one had really talked much about it. But a lot of the stuff that mentioned by Kyra in her blog was very similar inviting girls to stay in his hotel room, maybe inappropriate messages, etc., etc. So well, one of the reasons why that wasn't brought up, I think, uh, as much is be- it could be because the player involved um, did not include their name in the, the group that was um, uh, that was for Bob Brada's mm. uh, like a whole I- issue. So incident or whatever. So I don't. I think that might be the reason why that name wasn't brought up because it was a specific person who did now bring it up today. Yeah. So the woman involved, American player Mallory Enoch, 
And she did an interview with The Guardian, Matthew Hall at The Guardian, who's been right on this case from the start. And like reading it today, it's just it's so sad to read it in light of all the other stuff that, that has basically come out. Martin McMahon as well from CKNW News at 11.30, did some follow-up stuff on it as well and spoke to Mallory and he's been in touch with the Jamaican Football Federation who are apparently, we're recording this on Thursday night, they're apparently meeting with Hubert Busby on Friday to discuss everything. Now, we have to state Busby has denied the allegations so we won't make any comments on anything to do with that. But I felt this, this is the time to chat a little bit about this because in light of what's happened in the NWSL this year and other sports, I mean, hockey has been in the news this week for, for the similar stuff as well. The, the NWSL, the North Carolina Courage coach, Paul Riley, resigned after allegations had come out of incidents when he was with the Portland Thorns in, in 2015. There was sexual misconduct allegations that had been brought forward by the players. The Athletic published a story at the end of September. Uh, two of the players, Sinead Farrelly and Mana Shim, had uh, accused uh, Riley of sexual coercion and harassment. Riley denies the allegations but he was let go of his position as the, the Courage head coach hours after the report was published. A day later, NWSL commissioner Lisa Baird resigned because it seemed everything seemed to point that everything was getting swept under the carpet and it was like when he was with the Thorns, just let him go and this won't come to a head. Gavin Wilkinson stepped back from his role with the Thorns, but he's still doing his role with the Timbers, so it's just from the women's side of it. And all this came out after Washington's Richie Burke was fired for alleged misconduct that led to one former Washington Spirit player, Kaya McCulloch, speaking out. There was calls for the team owner to resign his role as CEO, but the players are wanting him to sell the team altogether. Uh, O.L. Rain coach Farid Benstiti resigned in July after he was the subject of a player complaint, according to the Washington Post. It's just so much that's come out in the space of a couple of months. We touched on it in the last show as well. The gold medal winning team, Canada's team, got that statement to come out from Canada Soccer talking about safe sport and the investigations and everything like that. It's so much to process, and I, I appreciate it's four guys sitting here talking about it, and I I wanted to kind of get someone like Har involved and talk about this as well, but she's been out in Montreal and she's just flying back tonight, so we'll get her on the show down the line as well. It's just, it's so sad, and I, I know... Where do you even start to yeah. to do this? Like, what needs to change? One thing I wanted to ask you, Naveed, and I don't know if you can say much at all, but obviously you're involved with the residency in the USL team mm-hmm. towards the end of the, the 2000s. As a player with that, did any of these allegations, had it made it to the men's locker room? Had you no, heard anything about nothing. that? Nothing, no. That's actually an interesting point. I actually thought about it sometimes, but from 
like my perspective, I had never heard anything about. I didn't even know who the coach was to be honest. Like when this whole mm. story came up, like I had to look him out. I don't even remember. It. So I mean, Zach, you would have had interactions or known of him any from from your involvement way back in the in the two thousands. Yeah, I mean, I used to go to the women's games, especially when there were the double headers at Swangard. So yeah, I remember I remember both these Whitecap coaches. Um, I didn't know them the way I've known coaches subsequent to that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's all of this is just uh, sad and disturbing. Uh, I mean, we're living in this time where this is no longer or not just impacting the local football community or the North American football community, but now you see these things are not same, but other kind of safe sport issues coming up in, in, uh, in North America when it comes to hockey and stuff. Yeah, right? Hockey. Then there's always the whole gymnastics thing before yeah. there's been rowing, there's been volleyball, I believe. So um, as, as a, in, in, go ahead. The bed, sorry. As a, as a parent and as someone who primarily works with minors, um yeah it just it makes me it makes me sad like that um an adult would use their their position to um yeah take advantage of uh, of, a, of a young person and it, it's yeah when you when you hear like i read the article multiple people sent me the link to the article this morning like as i was waking up it was in my inbox uh or was in one of my message boxes uh saying hey make sure you read this um yeah so as i read it, it yeah again it just it's heartbreaking like it, i just feel so bad for uh for the, the people who had to go go through these horrendous experiences and i think it's yeah obviously the safe sport thing and no one should um no one should ever prey on young people in this way uh, or in the way that's being described but um also it, it feels like part of this and part of this is you know come from kira mccormick from her 2019 blogs and in her blogs before that about how yeah, many, where, how where was, no one bothered or yeah. followed up on it. But there, that's, there, there's a change in how the, like the power structure, how the power dynamic sort of works because it's not, it's not just the safe sport in those who are, are, I mean, that's the primary thing. You want kids to be safe. You want young people to be safe. All that for yeah, sure. Remember it's not just kids as well. Cause it's yes. like young adults. Young, yeah, exactly. But there's this, there's a, a conversation that, in addition to that, that feels like it, it's starting to happen and needs to happen in a, in a more meaningful way or a more nuanced and layered way about how do you, how do you, yeah, keep everyone safe, but also how do you prepare and how do you nurture uh, young athletes to be the best. Because a lot of the a lot of the tactics, a lot of the the ways that that has been done in the past, uh, don't seem to be. I mean, have led to maybe some of this, or have been been used by some people in, in a negative and a dark and a evil way. But also, some of them have. That's just been kind of the, like the harshness and the I control and I control your mm -hmm. future and all that. Like some of that's just the real, like a reality of the coach dynamic. Right, like so. Yeah, how, but they're still getting away from that. How, like, what does that look like? Yeah, so that everyone's safe and everyone understands why they're not not making it to the next level or or whatever in a in a way that is understandable, is fair, is uh, maybe um, demonstrable, you know, um, you know, by you know, certain metrics or whatever. But yeah, this is all about uh, and and the recent stuff is uh, uh, 
most of it is about people covering up these incidents in oh, order yeah. to yeah. Uh, make sure that their either their organization uh, doesn't look yeah. bad um, and or like like in the hockey sense they they were on their way to winning a, a, a trophy at Stanley Cup yeah. and they they emphasize that more than uh, the well-being of a player um, yeah. in in the in for the white caps it was all about like they, they thought they dealt it with it the right way when it was clearly not and they put that coach in position where they he could continue this with even in, in yeah. a different in a, a smaller thing so and the thing is these coaches and 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 for the most part uh, i would say the most part the coaches most people in these kind of things the volunteers and the coaches they all have the right frame of mind they're, they're there for the right reasons uh, but you, it's hard to pick these guys out because until they're caught, um, you, they're going to keep doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and the I, thing is, the, I, I will just case, stress here as well, both Barada and Busby have denied it and neither yeah. of them have been. Oh, I understand that. Get, I, know, I, just wanted, I just wanted us to, to state but, that. But the fact is, it's, it's only because these things are coming on now. If the Whitecaps had, for and I'm using them as an example, you could, yeah. you could insert Blackhawks, you can insert W NWSL Portland Thorns in that in that name, whatever. Uh, but if they had done their job, this and it was investigated when it was fresh and everything, that this would not have gone to the next person. Like in the Blackhawks situation, they they swept it under the rug. He went on to coach like a, a high school team and where he abused a sixteen year old. And if that had stopped at that point, it wouldn't have continued on. Yeah. The problem is, is these people are not looking at for the player or the young person or uh, or the young player at, at, who's in a definite less advantaged position because they're they're whole they're thinking their future is in stake yeah so they're, some they're of it's pr it's like they're yeah. trying to manage their image and they don't want to tarnish that image it's yeah. all about it's all about pr it's all about the the cover uh, up and not putting winning ahead of everything else and putting their their they're worried about it coming out and looking bad they're not realizing that Covering up is worse. worse. The cover up is sometimes worse than the oh, actual yeah. incident. So, if it then comes yeah. out there's a cover up, it's like the the. And in Canada soccer, you're looking at Canada soccer. The, the like I think there was an article yesterday on TSN that they sent a letter to them, and it didn't say that they demanded. They they did say they asked for an investigation, but I I'm generally like I feel like they probably demanded an investigation. Yeah, yeah. They've got to use their leverage, and it yeah. shouldn't have taken. A celebration tour and winning a gold medal for them to get their voices heard, and I think and that's I, the I, sad I, thing. And the and the national team as well. I think they saw what was going on in NWSL, and they probably saw that as a chance to use that as well uh, because of everything going on there to get Canada Soccer to investigate further. Because Canada Soccer at the time said, "Oh, uh, uh, and I'll use this." Uh, uh, a quote that is written on the article at the conclusion of the investigation, the coach was no longer part of the Canada soccer and adding that, uh, yeah, his coaching license with, hands. He, he didn't have a, a license with Canada soccer since 2011, yet allowing him to coach at a lower levels. Yeah. And that's not, that's not right there. Which is even, well, it's worse. even worse. It's, it's, it's all bad, but it's like, you're, you're then passing it down to a level where, the only checks that you get are police checks, which if you haven't been found guilty for something, you're not going to appear on a police check, so it doesn't matter. And essentially, this is the same thing we talked about back then, and, and it comes out in, in these kind of situations too. they got to take the power out of the organization. They need to have an independent group 
that does nothing to do with the organization, nothing to do with the league, nothing to do with winning, and just looking out for the players. So yeah. that the way, if something does come up, that they can be free of fear for their livelihoods and be able to report uh, the coaches and in, in independent investigation can always be done and figure out what's going on. Yeah, because that, I mean that's the, that's the thing you guys have touched on the, the key thing in this is um, it feels like and uh, Michael, I get this is all alleged how we understand things and what we've heard and, and yeah, we probably haven't heard everything or everyone's perspective anyways, but it, it, the way this has played out or, and why it's gone, why it's impacted other people down the road is because the organizations, it sounds like, this is my how I hear things and maybe I'm misunderstanding, but they are worried about their own risk and liability. Yep. And so they have done these, um, what sound like limited investigations, which make them feel uncomfortable about moving forward with the coach in place, but they don't feel also comfortable firing them for cause and saying it was because they acted inappropriately or broke conduct mm -hmm. rules in their contract or, or whatever. And so they do the, the part, they do the parting ways with, right. And that means that they cannot then tell uh, a girl's team in the lower mainland, Hey, you can't hire this coach because if they do, then they'll be sued for defamation because yeah. there's no whatever. So it all comes back down to that initial, did they dig deep enough? Was there, I mean, and, and that's what the, the, the people, have, the, the players have said, is there was there was no avenue for them to feel safe to fully share what was going on. Well, yeah. This, this is the running theme in all these things. There's yeah. been a legal investigation and folk are saying, well, it wasn't that thorough. So in some ways, it's just for show. And the thing is, initially, because there was no organization back then to, to deal with this kind of stuff, that the, the that all that information should have been handed over to the police so that they could do the investigation Well, with well, the white caps. Well, to be fair, I think in an article, today's article, it did say that the, the police were involved in, there was a police investigation, I believe, whether it was 2008 or 2011. I think it was 2008, I think. There was a police investigation that didn't lead to anything, but I think that was partially, my reading of the article was that that was partially due to the limited results of the um, initial yeah. initial 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 report or investigation. And my understanding is when the when Vancouver uh, Vancouver and the CSA got together to have this report, um, when the Whitecaps did the subsequent one under pressure in 20, under 2019, like this report didn't exist or they couldn't yeah. get it or they couldn't find it or no one wanted to own up to it or whatever. So yeah. it's like no one really knows. And I think the article said, and some of the tweets today from some of the uh, uh, media people have said, we've tried to get this report yeah. from 2008, I think it was, or 2009 or whatever, and we can't get this report. No one has ever seen it kind of thing. And so there's a lot of big questions that hopefully- I mean, that, that, That's like, concerning, as was like in the Guardian article today, um, it was talking about the the players, and there, there was a copy of the email that Dan Leonarduzzi sent out that I, I saw somewhere. But I think Martin McMahon had shared it all on Twitter. No, there was yeah, there was an email that was sent uh, to uh, to I think you are right. It was Sam yeah. Leonarduzzi or something like that. It was, and, it was da yeah. Dan Leonarduzzi. Dan Leonarduzzi. Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah, to sorry. all the players saying he'd been let. Busby had been let go, and it wasn't appropriate to talk about anything in the media, which. I can see both sides of that because you don't want players just going, oh, yeah, he was a crap coach or whatever, whatever, whatever. But then because of what we know now, 
as to the allegation, it's like, what was that? What they were hinting at as, as a veiled hint of, yep, you've all heard the stuff, you just don't go public with it. It's hard, it's hard now not to say how we're not harder questions asked then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I know, and, 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 and Michael, you've rightly said this fuels the 2011 uh, Busby Jr. stuff feels like it's right now at a, a he said, she said thing, right? It's a, there's it, being, there's an accusation that's been made and there's been a denial and yeah, who knows how this all, all plays out, but it, it's still incredibly, incredibly saddening. Well, it's sad, yeah, because like, the, I had a, a Oz Sweeney, a long-time listener to the show, had said, oh, have you guys uh, heard anything more about the the white caps? You haven't talked much about the, the women's scandal and why have the supporters groups not been pushing the club harder? My understanding is that the, the players were happy with how the club had then moved after all the walkouts and stuff. And because of that, the supporters group said, well, if, if the players are happy, then that's, that's the main thing here. Yeah, I think it's important to note that not all the supporters were a part of the walkout. There were some that were surprisingly not a part of it and said, no, we just want to support the players on, on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens now with the supporters and will there be, uh, I mean, it's a tricky thing, right? Uh, well, know, yeah, because again, does, to, does this going, go you, to court as well? And No, but I mean, just like right now, Michael, no, right now. Oh, yeah. Supporter and you're mad, if, you're, if you have strong feelings about this. Which about a, a few folk have contacted me on Twitter today and they, they have. Right? Yeah. I've had a couple of DMs from people so and they're what, saying, I can't, I can't in all conscience give this club any money. Exactly. So what happened in 2019 was the supporters walked out and they didn't care what was going on. I think this was even around, I think it was, there might have even been walkouts around, was there walkouts around the, the Cavalry match in the, the Voyager's Cup? I can't remember now. No, there was just no one turned up for that no. one. <laughs> um, and, uh, but now going into this, like this must win game against Seattle and going into a potential, maybe even home playoff game, uh-huh. like those supporters say what, you know, my concerns over this are big enough for me to uh, express that at a match or by not going to a match or by not, you know, buying this or buying that. It would be interesting to see um, what they choose to do or not do. I, I think we won't go too much more into this just now because I'd, I'd like to have, like, at the end of this season, I said this in the last show, like, get a couple of people on that can talk about this and what needs to change and maybe some people that's involved in some of the, the the teams, maybe some of the League One BC women's teams that's going to be coming out as to what needs to change. I've seen some people throw out there that it should be female head coaches in charge of women's teams. Well, that's a good point, yeah. That stops some of this. It maybe doesn't yeah. stop like bullying or whatever because you can still have a coach that does stuff like that. But that, that's an interesting way of looking at it. But then is that also a short-sighted way of looking at it and saying, well, you can't trust all men's coaches? Because you've got to remember, it's a very, very, very small number. Any number is unacceptable. So the thing is, for me, is the you don't have to have a female co- head coach, but you should have a female on staff all the time. Um, you shouldn't be having all male staff. That's 100%. And then uh, the best way to avoid this is, be, for in this example... BC Soccer has um, one person or two people 
that are in charge of hearing complaints from the players and and being able to sift through that or yeah. a committee or something like confidentially that. which i yeah, think confidentially which i think they've set up right in way they have of, yep they've they, the they acted on it because yeah. the the thing is that there's so many people that were still involved back then that are still involved now some of them in different roles like victor Montagliani was with canada soccer he's now yeah. concacaf and vice president of fifa so he was uh, around Canada Soccer during this time. A question to ask you, and we'll kind of wrap this this little bit up. Can people have trust that the Whitecaps have changed the culture? They said that they have. Obviously, a lot of the same people are still there. You've got a fantastic person in charge of the women's programme now in Emma Humphreys, who is not going to take any shit like this. And if anything like this came mm -hmm. to light she would be straight dealing with it, I, I would imagine. She'll have the players' backs. Can people have the faith that this change, if no heads have rolled? Or in case of heads rolling, it might be the outcome of this court case with Barada, depending on what comes out in it. There could still be things to happen, so we won't speculate too much on that. But obviously the Whitecaps are going to have a team, a women's team in League One BC, can people have trust in, in this team moving forward? I'd like to think that they can. Well, for me, um, I think I stated this back then, um, that I feel, and I don't, I'm not a person that likes people getting fired, um, but there should have been, uh, back then, people who are responsible um, for this cover-up should have been gone, um, whether they resigned on their own or they got fired. Um, I felt that then and I felt that now, and looking at the recent stuff again, obviously with the the NHL team, the Blackhawks, people were fired. And mm -hmm. today, the coach that was in charge of that team resigned from his coach from uh, uh, at another team. So he wasn't even with the same team, and he resigned from just coaching yep. overall. So it, when you have like something like this, where there's a cover up, obviously, and 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 all clearly that the that investigation went way smoother than the white caps any white caps investigation went because they got to the bottom of it and they cleared everything out and and in the big big difference sorry i should mention the big difference in this case as well the person who was accused of this has been uh uh pleaded guilty or was found guilty of that crime that against this, this teenager so they were they have been found guilty of that uh but still um, I, I felt like back then that somebody should have been held responsible, whether it was all of them or some of them, whoever was involved. And I still feel that to this day. It hasn't changed my mind. It, it goes without saying, I think, well, a couple of things. One, I, I agree with you, Michael, that unfortunately, it won't, nothing will happen in the Vancouver Whitecaps and those who were, are in the, the high up executive type positions that were around in 2008 and 9 and 10 and 11. Nothing will happen to them unless something happens via the court case or a court case um, because of how the how they've kept their roles in the organization for so long through so many different sporting and non-sporting issues um, nothing will change with, with with them unless something like gets happened you know gets clearly defined in court that, for example, someone broke trust or someone didn't take the responsibility that they were supposed to or something like that. Um, I think the the allegations today are are damning on, on many people. And um, they they know what they did and they know what they didn't do. And 
uh, they have to live with that. And um, I, I just hope one day that they will, uh, if there are people who have done wrong, that they'll do all they can do to um, make that make that right. And not just for those who were uh, affected in the past, but to actually do 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 more for the future. I know some of them have taken some steps with with you know uh, safe sports stuff now, and that that's that's good. But it doesn't feel like there's been really full remorse or restitution with what's happened in the past. Um, again, maybe because of the the denial and and the court case and all that kind of stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I, there there. There are, I think there are, uh, I, I think this is not, uh, this is not a, um, this is symptomatic of, of, of issues that, that exist there that we won't go into yeah. all that now, but th- yeah, stuff has to happen at the white caps. When you talk about, um, will people, you know, have trust in, you know, uh, white caps women's team in league one BC. Um, I agree with you that Emma Humphreys seems like someone who can be trusted and who will be quality and will do well. And the player will feel the players will feel the support and will have appropriate relationships and boundaries and all that kind of stuff. But I think that there will be some, maybe many, uh, uh, as a result of their experience with the organization and as a result of the previous and the current allegations who don't, who don't trust them, who don't feel like they can trust them because of, of all of this that's hanging over this and, and they're just their experience in general. And so, yeah, I've seen, I've read, I've heard from people about how this is just another, uh, another reason why the white caps are not uh, a, a, a club that's worthy of their support in, in various, various forms. I think the sad thing in all of this is, you know, it's just the tip of the iceberg, not necessarily from a white cats perspective, just in sport in general. And I think mm-hmm. that's the really sad thing that, there's so many stories out there that haven't come out and may never come out and probably will never come out. And that that's just what's sad. So you just have to make sure that the future generations aren't going through this. And if everyone's on board with it and everyone can actually make real change, whatever that may be, I think that's the only way forward, really. But obviously a, a tough subject to, to talk about We'd love your feedback on it. And I say we will revisit this. And if the Barada court case ever actually winds up, we can talk a bit more about things after that as well. Just to round off this episode of the show, though, I just want to do a quick roundup of some other Canadian soccer news. So Montreal have moved into the Canadian Championship final after an 8-7 penalty shootout win over Forge last night. Watched the game. Forge could have won that in in normal time. They're kicking themselves. They know that they had their chances. When it came to the penalty shootout, one thing I I think the penalty shootout showed is they need VAR for at least penalty shootouts because as much as I was wanting Forge to win, Henry was off his line a couple of times for the saves that he made. And there's an assistant linesman looking at him and say, no, it's fine. (laughs) Crazy. But it, it was disappointing to see Montreal win. I'm sure. Um, I I know the Canada soccer is disappointed too because they really wanted that all-Ontario final. Oh, yeah. They'd have loved that. Oh, yeah. Well, plus they could have made it a double final. Yeah. I, oh. I, I wanted Forge to win because I was going to go in the post game and say to, to Bobby, so another Canadian Championship final, do you think you'll get to play it this year? But I, I didn't get that opportunity. But uh, one thing we learned from this is all your players have to work on penalties. 
Oh Not yeah, there was fire. there was some really bad penalties in there. No. When when Joel Waterman stepped up, I was like, oh, I want Forge to win, but I don't want Joel to miss this penalty. Um, and then when it got to goalkeeper versus goalkeeper, which I always love in a penalty shootout, Henry's penalty was woeful. That was terrible, and he knew it, and he was distraught afterwards. But my favourite bit was Breza, the Montreal keeper, going up with the ball to the referee and then realising it was him that had to take the penalty. And it's like, me? Oh. <laughs> and then afterwards, I jumped on the post game. I was just listening into it, and he said, yeah, I was looking at the team, and I was like, no one's, no one's stepping forward. And then I'm looking at all the guys, and I was like, oh, they've all taken penalties. It must be me. <laughs> it shows how focused he was on yeah. just big saves. He had, he had some good saves. Montreal, good at producing goalkeepers as we can testify here in Vancouver. It really is a missed opportunity, though. It is. The, the other semi-finals next Wednesday, TFC hosting Pacific. Pacific in a rich vein of form just now. They look a different team with Marco Bustos back. Boy, Boosty is on. Just... Do you guys that... think you will see him in MLS level? I don't know. He he wants to get back to MLS. I really hope he gets a shot. I, I do as well. It's whether he can perform at that level week in, week out. Uh-huh. in MLS I, 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 I don't know I, I could have seen him here more with MDS as coach I don't yeah. know I don't know with a Vanny Sartini or someone uh-huh. else but yeah I think MDS would have maybe had a, a look at him but like turning to the CPL Pacific leading the way at the moment destroyed the Eddies the other night they're on 45 points from 26 games two games left to go home to York should win that and then away to Cavalry on November 7th massive game we won't go into all this just now because we've done it before. The, the Eddie's tractor seems to be running out of gas. Yeah. What's Cap- going on with them? Yeah, go ahead. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let, let, we'll, we'll delve into all this at the end of the season because we'll, we'll wrap this up. Cavalry could still get home field advantage. I, I just want Pacific to get a home playoff game because I want to get back over to it and I can't <laughs> go over this weekend because I'm commentating the UBC game. So I'm not able to get over for their, their season closer. Forge, I think, are still going to finish first and be the number one seed. They've got 41 points, three games in hand on Pacific and four points back. But they've got to play five games in 18 days. It's shocking. Five Five CPL games and a a CONCACAF League game as well factored in that. It's insane for them. Halifax, York and even Valor are still in with a shout for fourth. I was very, I, I saw, I try not see this, but I saw a little bit of the One Soccer magazine show and Gareth Wheeler was on it and he was going on about, he was really criticising Halifax and York for saying, do, do you not want to be in the playoffs? You're playing terrible, why? And it's like, of course they want to be in the playoffs. That's not, you can't, that's not even like analysis doing something like that. Anyway, don't start me off on another one with that. So the CPL, Wrapping up, exciting end to the season. Definitely check that out. Canada, World Cup qualifiers in Edmonton. Zach's obviously going through for that. Opening up more tickets. 35,000 minimum sold for each game so far. That's a great sign, Zach. Yeah, really encouraged, excited. Uh, it would be so amazing if they can um, get like actually sell sell them out for both those matches. On the Alfonso watch, which I know you're interested in, Michael, 
and I messaged you about this week. Uh, he made his return to the starting lineup along with Leon Goretzka in Bayern Munich's midweek cup match. Yeah. That's all we need to talk about. about yeah, <laughs> let's not go that far. Please. Yeah, oh, he did. He did come off after 55 minutes, and five was an important number in this game. Zach messaged me with the usual, "Oh, what time is it?" And I was like thinking to myself, "Oh, not another boring Bayern five-goal victory. This is boring watching them put goals past everyone." And then you said something else. I was like, wait, what? And then I looked up the score. Oh, and I was like, Bayern's losing 5-0. I saw it's 5-0. And I thought, like you said, I saw it on Twitter, 5-0. And I thought, okay, another one. And actually, a couple hours later, I found out, oh, what's the other way? I was like, what? Score yeah. <laughs> it, was the, it was the worst competitive loss, I think, since 1978. Wow. Um, yeah. this, could, this could cost the coach a job. I know. I think he's going to be on his ear. Well, 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 just for you, Steve, uh, two years ago at this, roughly this was, it was November, I think. Yeah, it was in November. Bayern lost 5-0 or 5-1, and it was Nico Kovac's last game in the job. And it was against Frankfurt, who was coached by Austria's Adi Hutter, who is currently the coach at Moken Gladbach. And Adi Hutter has been very he's glazed good. over. He's been very, <laughs> very good tactically against Bayern and getting results against them. They Bayern, this game was in Gladbach, which is where they played the opening uh, kickoff game of the year, and they held Bayern to a one-all draw that day. So um, people yeah. said to me, I like how you always manage to turn round your talk to East Fife. Zach though manages to to turn a Canadian World Cup qualifier chat into Bayern Munich chat somehow. It's very <laughs> relevant, Michael. I guess. But we actually had a, a question that you might be able to answer because obviously you're going through to those games in Edmonton. So I, I, someone actually asked me, do you know how they'll check vaccination status in Alberta? Is it just a case of showing your BC vaccination card? My current understanding is yes. You'll be able to show your QR code or whatever your current, your current thing and you'll just need to have ID. Don't take my word on that though. I'm going to be right. double checking on that just to yeah. make sure. For when I get on the plane and for when I get to the stadium and go to the other places I need to go. Um, but yeah, I, my understanding is is uh, that that is going to be acceptable and their readers are going to be able to read that and understand it. And yeah. Excellent. And last little bit of Canada chat. The women are continuing their celebration tour in BC next month. It looks like they are coming to BC place. Is that, so is that official? Tweet, well, Har got the scoop when she was out there. So she tweeted it out. So it's official by Har. It hasn't been <laughs> confirmed by BC Soccer yet, but she said she got it from a, the horse's mouth. So I don't know if it was Mr. Ed or not. One for fans of the 1950s sitcom. I know my I know my audience. Do we know the date in November? I was really hoping that. No, it be, it'll be late November because the women's international windows after the men's. <sighs> Oh yeah, I was hoping it was going to be after the January third, January thirtieth men's game here. Oh no, it, it's going to be in in November. Okay. So I don't know if it's one or two games, but maybe they'll even get over to Victoria for a game there because they were were meant to have some games um, over there, I believe before. I also wish they were. Oh, I guess they have to do the cold. The we want to come out here in the dome while it's cold. I guess. Yeah, I don't know who who they're going to be playing either, but yeah, stay tuned for that. But my, that my guess is, is my guess is not New Zealand. No. And Har never asked my question about Celebrity Treasure Island. I was very disappointed. And Brinley's gone now, so it's between Lance and Chris, I think, that's going to win it. Three episodes to go. Check it out. TVNZ. Very good. Anyway, that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. Hope you've enjoyed it. A lot of stuff covered. 
Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online and anything that you've learned this week or any final thoughts, Steve. Um, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapSpeed. And what I learned is Brian White, if he's not capped by the US, he's uncapped still. Canada could still cap him. And uh, maybe he <laughs> takes Cavallini's position on the Canadian national team as well. <laughs> <laughs> Navid? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at machinchi. All I know is we need one point at least to make it to the playoffs. Yeah, looking that way. Zach, any final thoughts from you? Anything you've learned this week? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM. And I've learned that Steve's appreciation for Brian White has made him delusional. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's taking, he took a Cavallini spot on the Whitecaps. Why couldn't he take it on the national team? On the bench. I mean, he qualifies for Canada now. He's been here long enough. Yeah, I think, it's, no, he has to be here like five years now. I, I'm joking, obviously, Zach. <laughs> anyway, I am Michael McCall. This isn't Qatar in like the early 2000s. <laughs> you get a passport. You get a passport. No, actually, there they take away the passports. Yes. <laughs> not, not for the footballers. That's, oh, okay. It's just if we're visiting. Well, alleged, well we don't know if they're not no, taking that's just away the passports for the footballers, yeah. too. They might be taking away their passports, too. Anyway, I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Give us a like, subscribe and follow. Turn on notifications, all that malarkey on YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. And something I learned this week, just continuing World Cup qualifier chat. As I've spoken before, I've been watching a lot of Australian and New Zealand TV shows during the, the pandemic. I've really got into it. So I was watching a, a comedy show the the other day and they had a guest on it, Archie Thompson. Do you, do you know who Archie Thompson is? He's a, a Socceroo footballer. No. No. He scored 13 goals in Australia's 31-0 victory over American Samoa, which yeah. was turn, turned into a, a movie, Next Goal Wins. It's a, there's a book too written, so not yeah. just about that. I've, I've read the book 31-0. Yeah, so he scored 13 goals in that game. He, he's just become a pundit for the new A-League season that's going to be starting. So that, that's how I was watching it. How's so Rama doing? It, well, it hasn't started yet, so he's doing really well. He's doing as good as he's probably going to do for the whole season. Pre-season's going well? Uh, I don't know. Archie Thompson, though, scored 13 goals and was dropped for the next game. And he, he didn't know why. He still never got an explanation as to why. And then they played a clip off he'd scored uh, some goals in a crucial game um and the comment the interviewer said to him oh, do you know that the when you scored your winning goal that was the exact time that the pope died <laughs> and he he says oh maybe maybe that was some inspiration for him to get me to, to get that goal maybe i need some more popes to die so i can get some more goals <laughs> <laughs> Oh my. And then they, pl they played that to him and he's like, yeah, I maybe shouldn't do post-game interviews. <laughs> anyway, that is it for this week's show. Thank you as always for listening. Get in touch with us if there's anything you want to talk about from stuff that we've chatted about on AFT in Canada or AFT in Canada at hotmail.com. We'll be back soon after hopefully securing a playoff spot. It's touch and go. Until then, stay safe, take care, thanks for listening, and mon the caps! Get the job done, guys. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget.
the atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.